0: I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of Rackend and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. In this episode, we talk about boring versus sexy. What makes people interested in the new, exciting, change everything, build new stuff, tech, versus the stable, need to get it done, pay down your technical debt, get everybody rowing in the same direction, using the same stuff, converting over to get the stable tech working in it everywhere, the boring stuff, the plumbing, the, the things that keep the lights on work. And we have this conversation because it feels to me as if we're in the phase of development where we start saying, I need to make sure this all works. I've done the, work, the, the change, the digital transformation, the new APIs, I've followed all the cool stuff. Now I need to make sure everything's working. I need to get my ROI out. and and spend the time doing that. This conversation questions that assumption. Talks about why we care, what we're really trying to accomplish, and really digs into what is boring, and what is sexy, and what makes them different. I know you will get a lot out of the conversation. Uh, Topic of the day is, Relevant to some of the economic things we're doing, which is is boring the new sexy. So, some of this comes from, you know, are we moving into an age where we've done a whole bunch of innovation in the last six or seven years, funded by a whole bunch of VCs and a whole bunch of enthusiasm, and cloud migrations and digital transformation, and it's time to have a sort of a consolidation, figure out how to use all this cool stuff, make it work. Um or you know, just we can't afford you know, people aren't dumping money into the the speculative side of the, the businesses anymore. And they've got to consolidate and make things work. I'm I'm curious, you know, are we are we facing a, a wave or a phase of of you know
1: and make the boring stuff work again? I think um, I think we've been there for a year already or more. Uh, what, what would be a what would what would make you say we've been there? What's the sign um, that you know? COVID. I mean, I mean, COVID in the enterprise space, right? Everybody, I mean, everybody retrenched to technologies that they were comfortable with. They still kept going, right? And as you know, Rob, everybody focused on automation in those environments. I, I actually
2: see the opposite. Uh, uh, so my perspective, uh, so from within the trenches, is that COVID has given enterprises the opportunity to evaluate their legacy stacks and decide to cut the, the more, or, or this, not necessarily cut, but replace the more cost-expensive legacy stuff with what would otherwise have been a riskier new technology, but the slowdown due to COVID has reduced the risk because the 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 uptime requirement what has in some industries been lowered.
0: So you're 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 thinking that um, COVID allowed digital transformation projects to. Accelerate,
2: and and some in some cases, yes. I I, I'm I'm not saying this is universal, but uh, I I've seen uh, areas where uh, before COVID, uh, the decision would have been to say no, like that we can't risk trying out something new because we need to maintain our velocity. And COVID having shaken up all of that, that it it provided the perfect, like a a very fertile ground to say, well, things are are changing anyway. Let's change ourselves at the same time. Because because those industries, they they were seeing also at the same time uh, a lot of fresh competition. From companies that did, like particular startups that did embrace the the uh, the digital transformation.
1: So, so, how, so so so, how much of i have a I have a question around that. How much of that transformation was related to existential threats to those companies, right? Versus, you know, um, you know, we're just, you know, we're just going to go do this, and I'll I'll hold up. Uh, so we did we did a bunch of work with um, what they what's what's called QSE quick serve eateries right Subways and those kinds of organizations we had we we did a ton of projects you know worked you know which was essentially taking those kinds of organizations from a storefront operation to a curbside pickup operation because. They had to, otherwise they were going to go out of business. I, so, that, I, I mean, I mean that actually. So, I mean, so so that drove the transformation you're talking about. But that was there was there was literally a gun to the head of those organizations in order to make that change. And I, I, I would say
2: that likely a, a lot of these uh, were driven by that existential threat that that you mentioned. Yes. Um, again, like I, I'm. It, some industries, for some industries, COVID was like swimmer sick. Uh, like uh, other ones, other industries, uh, it was well, we we're, we're our business is booming because they were in the right position to like to to continue their digital transformation, or they were already already at the forefront of the digital transformation wave so for for them it was an accelerator of the, what they were already doing um but yeah i, th- I think both are, are 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 the case uh and, and I'm, I'm sure that there were other companies also that the that, that didn't, didn't see the need to do uh, any any kind of transformation because they were already well established and but like netflix for example like they didn't have to do anything people stayed at home and watched <laughs> TV, uh, so uh, you you would definitely have to look at at it on on an industry by industry case, I, I think.
0: Right, but I I could also see Netflix you know, thinking that their technology set is pretty well established, mm-hmm. and they want to focus on scale and improvement, right? Performance, not not you know, switching to a new, you know, container management system. That's, I guess, you had a point. I don't want to interrupt your point, but taking us down on the deeper tech uh, path.
3: Well, I don't know that you can necessarily look at the landscape and say it's all COVID-related because I think it depends on not only the industry, but the maturity level within the enterprise's or the behemoth of each industry of whether they started with digital transformation or industry four and switched halfway to modernization. And that's to your point, Rob, about boring being the new sexy.
0: Can you define because industry, in a, can you define industry four? But uh, that would be it would be helpful for me to, to sort of have that crisply Um, defined, because I'm not as used to that term.
3: Okay. So Industry 4 is the set of principles and guidelines that came out of Hanover, Mass, more than a decade ago to create what's called the smart factory. And it's really, if you dig into it, and I've done a lot of digging into it for many years now, um, it's a very smart optimization strategy for manufacturing and supply chain and the whole focus around it is to optimize time to value okay. time so to value that could be the, on the, on the anything from factory. but it but it's across the organization so started engineering or started design and go all the way through mm, recycle end of life so it's every every big you know unit so, design, engineering, manufacturing, production, uh, testing, test repair, and warranty, recycle, all of that. So, from that perspective, optimizing time could be anything from, you know, taking the ERP and getting the getting the parts of it that are no longer useful to the enterprise to manufacturing execution systems, PLM, CAD, all of it, and so. Uh, Industry four basically because it's looking at time to value. It's looking to optimize the time to decision, right? Value being the faster you make a business decision and are proactive or reactive in that course, that's where you um, you see the gains. So it's zero time. Bye, Don. Have a good weekend. Bye. So,
0: talking to mute. We're, remember, we're not we're, next two meetings that we are there. We are on holiday. Next two meetings.
3: <laughs> so, so that's what industry four is, relatively speaking. And the difference between that and digital transformation is you're not necessarily looking at the same types of systems or the same types of capabilities because the optimization of time to value or time. Leads to cost efficiency and/or revenue generation by not having to deal with rework. Right? You can now monetize your data in ways, think about companies like um, uh, Pitney Bowes, that have completely digitized their businesses and sell their sell their data to their customers.
0: There's an interesting question in this to me because is digital transformation imply um, basically an abandonment of the current systems? And that maybe and this is part of what's behind the, the question here we've done a whole bunch of digital transformations. We've, you know, to your point, where we've, we've that's, that's done, you're saying industry four is different, there's a time efficiency. Um, would you say that that means, hey, stop throwing away the systems that you have, or I'm done throwing away the systems I have, and now I have to focus on you know, improving it or you know, making it all work together again? Or?
3: Um, I put a dividing line between digital transformation and industry four, not only because one is a strategic approach to cost optimization, time optimization, and insight, But also, if you look at the flow of data based on the business processes that are coming into play, you're looking at everything from, in in IIoT, for example, you're looking at everything from the physicality of the machine and measuring or quantifying how well that machine is functioning versus in digital transformation. Oh, I'm sorry, I have to take this. No worries.
2: um yeah go ahead yeah so so trying actually put a good point that there's a there's a difference between digital transformation and um just optimization and 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 yes they, they frequently do come hand in hand uh but they're not necessarily coupled
0: i always think of digital transformation as system replacement Right, you're 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 leaving one system, you're moving to another system. Because other, otherwise, we call it lift and shift, which is we we did, and we always distinguish that from digital transformation.
2: But so that doesn't yeah. mean that the systems are optimized. So that There is an argument that that digital transformation could mean um, taking a system that was. Designed for a non-digital environment, let's say banking or, or, or securities trading, or, or or just like again like uh, store prompts, and um and adopting a digital first entry point, so online banking. Um, Curbside pickup or or, or delivery, uh, things like that. So, if you look at in, in in the latter context, the the digital transformation is very different from lift and shift. Yeah, or, or, or even from digital transformation, or, or from I um, guess
0: I guess part of part of it to me. I, I mean, I and. I, I look back on some of just the way the industry is is structured from, you know more on the back side of this than the front. And I like your you're talking about getting things API driven or online first, um, which makes a ton of sense. So in those cases, we've been building products that are digital. It's the new standard. I don't think I don't think people feel like they haven't like I'm, they're probably I'm sure there's some laggards, but at this point, I suspect, you know, most businesses are are actively there, um, you know, at the same time, do they, and this is part of the phase, instead of adding more APIs or converting more systems, I guess part of what I'm asking is, or is it, are we in a like, yeah, we got all this stuff, we did all this work,
2: let's let's use it better, rather than keep changing or adding. Yeah, so I, I, I would classify that. More as um, technology stack investment. Mm. Um, so, are are you are you are you sticking with your technology stack? Are you are you doubling down, or are you adopting the, a new one? Um, and in, in if we look at it, if the question is in in, in that context, then. I would say there is a little bit of a slowdown now, so people like companies who who would adopt Kuurnet I would say eighty percent already have done so uh, and now there is a lot of effort into consolidating and, and stabilizing Kunet environments, but it's not quite there yet because Kunet itself it's it's not fully mature yet. So there, there, there's still new challenges that are being found that are, are being addressed. Nowadays, that the, like where, where the biggest churn is, is in the security and auditability uh, parts of it. Like that, the, there's so many new products that came out over the past year. Uh, and it's still moving, moving forward. Uh, eventually that will saturate and and then the top layers will come out and and that will stabilize and and, and that's how this landscape tends to tends to work um but yeah there's no clear winners yet so um, but does that make
0: it less attractive i mean is there an element of saying you know i'm tired of like like in a in a sexy phase, going back to my boring is the new sexy, right? In a in an innovative phase, people are very excited about hey, I've got this new thing. I'm trying out all these new pieces. I don't know which you know. I might pick one that's not going to be the winner, or I'm going to I'm going to pick one. I'm going to have to figure. out. I'm, I'm going to pick six different things <laughs> okay. and glue them all together. And there's a lot of exuberance for
2: the benefit that might come from that. it. The, it that's a cost benefit equation. Uh, and and yeah, so the, in in some cases, uh, some companies might say, "Yeah, this is good enough," or 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 no let, let's go back to try and truth. Uh, but in in a lot of times, particularly when in in larger companies where where the the teams are more siloed and, and you don't have a lot of cross pollination, um, you will likely find that various Various uh, sections of the company come come to the same conclusion because the particularly newer talent wants to use newer technologies, so they will try to adopt it one way or another. Uh, and if the company does not uh, preempt that, then they will have a very fractured internal stack. <laughs> Uh, so the and that, the is, that in,
0: is that is the current IT landscape for
2: enterprises. Yeah. Is this this very fractured environment, from what I see, yeah. like, and, and it happens even at Google. Like like the yeah. or, or is hap- um, one could argue Perhaps that happens obviously. especially at Google, where where the, where the, on, on Amazon, where, where on Microsoft, where they have very competitive teams internally. Uh, so we might have multiple ones working on the same solution at the same time, and whoever comes out on top wins their bonus or something like that. Um so so what I see is happening in in, in the enterprise like technology consumer landscape is that they're still adopting the new, but they're looking to consolidate and, and make the use of the new boring so so and so in that in that in that sense uh-huh. um boring is the new sexy in in the context that um there's an effort in into making the exciting stuff boring and admit or i i guess boring is maybe the, 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 the wrong word for this but but making it uh <clears throat> making it commonplace well, I, I think that you and this
0: is where I was where I was trying to get also, which is we've been doing some of this stuff. But, you know, Kubernetes is a great example, and there's a lot of desire to stop changing things and consolidate. You know, your point is exactly right between teams, so they're like, okay. We need to consolidate how we use this. We don't need two different or three different service meshes. We're doing functionally the same thing. You know, let's let's standardize on one so we can cross train and get benefits, and you know, maybe pay a, a, a vendor to do this. Um, that's that to me is boring, right? Migrating to you know, I have two service meshes and migrating to one. Um, no worries, Joanne, Good to have you back. Um, and migrating to one service mesh for the team that's got to do that migration—that is not value-added work. It's—it's it's, right. It's boring. It's potentially losing feature functionality. It's—it's it's, that's a bit of grind. Um,
2: yeah. Maybe um, really good for the organization. Yeah. And th- th- there's also the. The, the other approach, where for example with, with, with English controllers, uh, I mean, the, the, there's more than a dozen English controllers now that are available <laughs> for, for Kubernetes. Okay. Uh, and the the Venn diagram of features it, it is horrible. It, it looks cancerous, basically. Like, and, and and that is bec- uh, that's because some some English controllers implement some feature for free and, and, and put other ones behind a, a like a freemium uh wall uh and other ones will try to can- cannibalize that that market and and, and put other other features uh, in under under the paid section the other ones just are free open source and and just have limited features so um particularly again as we we're talking as we were talking earlier with 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 the economic slowdown um there's going to be a can choose kind of approach in, in many cases where uh, you might decide. Well, no single one of these implementations is going to meet all of our needs, but we'll, we'll make our system modular so that we can pick whichever one, want, uh, whichever one we we need to use at the time, plug it in, and 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 make it boring, make, make it unexciting to use it. It's just another item that gets selected
0: uh, that's this is where where the question lies right are we it's not exciting but it's like yeah hey we're going to standardize on this stuff we're going to make it work we're going to invest the time because you know, part of this to me is actually the, is optimization back to where you know join where you were i feel like going with some of the industry four stuff it's like all right we've, we've got these tools let's stop trying to pick additional tools let's Let's consolidate. Let's get these things working together better.
3: Yeah. Um, And and to your point, um, that pick and choose, I'm starting to see. And and it was funny because I brought this up in one of the uh, other discussions that I participate in uh, through MESA. And one of the one of the things that's coming back into, oh, no, we don't want to do that because it's going to lock us in, so to speak, is around standards. And the discussion that I'm referring to was around, could you use something like, and this may sound like weirdness, could you use an IAC type approach to start standardizing how um, PLCs are put out and then updated and constantly patched or fixed in in ways that they're not being done now? And the reason for that is icefall, which is a huge set of vulnerabilities that was exposed. So could you use something that you're already using in a data center, for example, in a different way? And I'm seeing a lot of that start to crop up, uh, especially with Web3 around things like localization, because now we're not just translating, we're trying to get closer to the customer in a Web3 world. And to do that, that, that implies cultural change. And speaking more to the audience in their own vernacular, not in their own language, but in the way in which they use the language, contextually relevant stuff. So I'm seeing a lot of that start to occur. And to me, that's an optimization of legacy and even technical debt or reducing technical debt by reusing legacy systems in a new way.
2: This almost feels like it's related to Tuesday's discussion that we had about governance as code, um, where one of the things that that I argued is that uh, governance as code um, is a a a cross-cut among uh, other technology uh, approaches, and that it primarily focuses on on standardization or, or normalization, uh, and, and declarative i guess if we want to make up a word—of um, uh, of policies uh, of, of how things are used. And, and again, like the, in, in the context of like boring is being sexy, um, if you have policies for how old and, and new technologies can be used in certain contexts. Well, then you make it boring, you, you, you make it well, it's not a
0: surprise. It's, you're, you're, what you're doing in the way you're describing this is you're focusing on governance. Governance is not sexy, by, de- by definition, <laughs> governance <laughs> yep. is not sexy. software bill of materials are not sexy, they're important, but they're not, they're not from, from a developer new technology mindset, they're actually controls. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's maybe where we're going with this is because even paying down debt, technical debt, which is super important, definitely not sexy, um, all comes back to a wave of improved controls. Um, governance's code is about controls.
2: Yeah. yeah and, and ultimately this also comes down to the normal cycle of new technologies. Like, the containerization revolution is over. Containers won that, and and now, it, it, and now that that they're ubiquitous, we're we're making them uh, as easy to use as as we can.
3: What can yeah. I ask a silly question?
0: Sorry, John. Yeah,
3: Klaus. Based on what you just said, is that Governance or is there another word? Because I think that there's a lot of. um, There's a lot of misunderstanding around what's governance versus what's control versus what's rules engine, you know, that kind of thing. I'm almost getting to the point of saying we need a new category for this, a new word that defines it.
2: You, you know what? We, we've had almost this exact same discussion on on, on Tuesday, where, where we were struggling to, to define governance, but, uh, what as to whether it was intra organizational or um like uh or or if it involved or if governance involves specifically uh, in situations where you deal with multiple parties. Uh, so see, I see it,
3: yeah, I see it more as inter inter. Organization Mm -hmm. is governance, and intra-organization is stewardship. Oh,
2: interesting.
0: Stewardship.
2: Yep. Yeah. Or 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 even like simply just just like policy as code uh, is something that that could uh, also cover ninety percent or at least or if not more of what inter organizational governance is uh, and and yes like in in I, I see valid arguments for, for both cases uh, I see a valid argument for for saying like hey okay, inter organizational should not be called governance um, ultimately I personally am I, I, don't don't care strongly what it is called as long as it is sufficiently clear. So if, if adding a new label, um, let's say stewardship as, as code, um, makes it simpler to, to draw that distinction and has no other downsides, such as needing to relabel a an, an existing section of the industry, then sure, I'm all for that. Um, well,
3: if you, yeah, because if you look at the definition of stewardship, and, and this is why I, I kind of glean toward it, it, it's the job of supervising or taking care of something such as an organization or its property. And to me, that's what this connotes is, I'm taking care of my own organization. So it's an intra- as opposed to an intern. Whereas governance is governance over a larger body with multiple stakeholders.
2: Right. On, on the flip side, stewardship might also give the, the wrong impression. It, and that uh, it, it might uh, make one think that someone is, or, or, or some group is taking up the role of steward, for a certain uh, group that otherwise is leaderless, um, so 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 the, again, the, and and this is where where, where I think like that we need to be careful about the labeling that yeah. we we don't exceed the scope of uh, what we're meaning for it.
3: Well, to me, <sighs> stewardship goes with the role of servant leadership.
0: And there's where my question was going to go, because that's an investment from from somebody's break, one of the things that I think happens when we're in a go-go in a day, excitement days, we're not thinking stewardship, we're thinking collaborative innovation, and we're sort of stretching things out. What what you're describing with stewardess, uh, I mean, let me turn this into a question, is that an aspect of you know, a slower consolidation market where you're, you're actually trying to, you know, normalize or harmonize different things. And
3: I, no, I, I would say in, in the true sense of stewardship, it's, it's to the definitional point of you're, you're managing something particular and it's a, it's like the responsibility to pay down technical debt or to re- reduce technical debt by the reuse of a system in a new and innovative way. If you look at the definition of cyber-physical system, it's the addition of robotics or automation to a physical device. The physical device is going to exist. Right. So I, I don't see it that way. To me, collaborative innovation is like like I mentioned, localization before, one of the advantages that Web3 brings a savvy CIO is the opportunity to show their creativity and innovative skills by taking something like localization and broadening it beyond transliteration or translation to involve a cultural shift. Um, think about an edge setup. Or decentralization, where you have lots of edge computing going on, um, those could be localized to a particular geography and go much deeper than they would have otherwise. Did I offend Larry in some way? No,
0: I think he got pulled away to something else. Ah, uh, my suspicion.
3: It's just my take,
0: but. No, it's- I, I guess any any web three things I think about end up being um, that that is disruptive innovation um, to a degree. That's that's people chasing you know the sexy part of but but a I, but I broad brush stroking the sexy part of, of the tech. It's it's new. It's different. It's going to require a cultural transformation. Um, uh, that's OK, well, let me ask the it's, question. Easy. then. You don't, you don't have to change behaviors much in the boring part. Yeah.
3: Well, I, I, I think you do, because okay. if you were to look at, pardon me for putting it this way, um, if you were to look at a data center and sunset those servers that were really no longer being used or that you could aggregate into, you know, take those workloads and aggregate up to the cloud or move whatever and you decommission those servers and then put them out to a satellite office to create a mini data center, a NOTAM, Um, you're not really, you're, you're changing the use case for that hardware. It may be doing something very similar to what it was doing before, but it's attracting a new audience. I don't know how that's like novel, shiny or sexy, to me, it's just repurposing hardware from point A to point B, the boring stuff. Right. Well,
0: I think it's, to me, it's it's boring stuff if it's, if, it, if you're taking the hardware that you already have and you're making it work with a new workload in the end, um, that is, it's a mix. It depends on what you're doing with the edge. If you're taking the edge and you're saying, "All right, I'm going to use, you know, proven tech, build my stuff up and make all that stuff that, that work," then I, then I, I think that's boring. You know, it's it's not boring. It's it's in the class of of conventional. If you're saying, "I'm going to take that and I'm going to turn it, you know, turn it into a, a Kubernetes cluster that has." Um, or actually, let's go even further into a serverless um, application. And I've never built a serverless application, or I've never written it. I don't know how I'm going to manage all that stuff. But I'm going to, you know, I'm going to write a paper telling everybody how great my new uh, chicken-serving serverless functions are. Right? <laughs> riffing on, riffing on the 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 phantom Chick-fil-A nook story. Um, right? That, that everybody gets excited. Oh, look, we're serverless. Yay. It's, that, that generates a whole bunch of buzz. It's, it's not as certain uh, success pattern as what you're saying. Hey, I'm going to take hardware that I was decommissioning. I'm going to stand it up in ways that I understand how I'm going to move it into this site and we're going to just get that thing to run workloads. Maybe I'm using VMware because I know, it, I know how, to, how it works and it's, it's safe and stable and I want to focus on the business value of it. Right. Maybe, maybe, maybe this, maybe this is what I'm saying. It's like focusing on the business value out of something is not as exciting as doing a, a whole bunch of new tech under it, but it's more predictable. Just like paying down technical debt is a more predictable way to release uh, value out of system or re- recover value. Out of system.
3: Yeah, to recover value, and and to me that's that falls into the maybe it's just my view. But to me, that is SOP. It's not, you know, decommissioning and reusing is not sexy. It's maybe innovative. I don't know. Um, I'm it's just possible. not sure that. Yeah, it's it's stewardship.
2: At its finest i i also don't just to be clear i i have personally never seen a case where taking an existing product that's established and uh shifting it to a new platform so, so essentially doing a lift and shift i i, I have I have yet to see a case where that has been successful. Well, I, did, from, from what I will I'm tell seeing, you. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, like, from, from, from my experience, digital transformation, like in, in in that regard, has always been much more successful when you keep your existing system, you create a new system in 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 your target platform, and then you shift your workload from from the old one to the new one until the old one is just a husk that you then throw away.
3: (laughs) Okay. I will tell you that when I was at Celestica, I did it all the time. Anytime we were getting something new, Uh, whether it was the data center or, you know, we had acquired a site or whatever, the first thing that I had my team do was go through whatever existed and find out how we could reuse it or where we could send it or what we could do with it. Because not all factories are created equal. And if you've just bought a factory from a different brand, you know, at, at that time we were buying five factories a quarter. So it was looking at how you could take things apart and reassemble them elsewhere to the advantage of the corporation. And right. it wasn't because I was cheap. It was because um, it was more expedient to do it that way.
2: Right, but, but, but the, the, there's a cinch. Like you, you, you said, take it apart and reuse those components. You, you, you don't just take the whole system, the whole assembly, and reuse it. You, you, you reuse the components.
3: No, no, no. I'm talking about data centers where we would decommission the servers and then reship those servers to other locations, either because the OS and, and applications that were on it were could be used by a new facility or a satellite facility or for some other purpose, or alternatively um, because... They had passed their demarcation of depreciable value. And I was actually getting something for free.
2: Exactly, and, and, and those servers then are the components. You, you don't take the whole data center, including networking, including uh, gateways and, and, and PDUs and everything else. Like you, 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 taint, you don't take the entire building and put it somewhere else. You take it apart and reuse those parts.
3: So okay, I misunderstood you when you said components. To me, I'm thinking like boards and sockets and hard drives and
2: you no, know, no, like the, the, the atomicity is variable. Uh, like I I'm I'm talking more about you about from a systems perspective. So so okay. you, you don't lift and shift a system. You 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 take parts out of a system and put them somewhere else. Um, uh, and, and the system that, I can, again, it doesn't have to, has to be a computer. It can be a data center. So you take the yeah, service yeah. out of that data center and you put it somewhere else.
3: Right. Which we did that too. Yeah. Um, because they were like, like, part of my goal was to reuse wherever I could uh, until we got to a point of, of homogeneity on ERPs or whatever. If you're buying five factories and each one uses a different ERP, You're going to try and repurpose those wherever you can to other facilities or other areas where you need the the capabilities of that data center and the workload that it's currently running without having to go net new or cobble together or change, right? Because you couldn't necessarily bridge that fast. Putting SAP up in 34 facilities um, is a nightmare and we couldn't do it. In under two years, so this was a way of trying to get you know uh, a little bit more value out of what existed, where the closest other factory or the closest systems that would be in use were like what was already there, right? So if they were using something else like Oracle Financials. Um, and, and those particular factories served a similar client base or did similar things, you threw it into where something already existed. If it was SAP already, you threw it into, you know, before the word cluster was a thing, you put it into another cluster that was running a similar workload. But it was, it, I'm seeing the same kind of things happening now.
0: I like that, that there's a lot more nuance in, in the phrase, which I expected, but um, we, we really pulled it into values of mm-hmm. self-part. I do need to jump. Thank you all. I have about all two right. weeks off, and I'll talk to you all on the other side. Um, have a good one. Cheers. Uh, and and enjoy your song. Thanks. Stay cool. Wow. What a fun conversation.
3: This is really important to understand that high-value items, like Governance and build
0: materials and technical debt and controls are essential to making technology work at scale. And it's not something we talk about much when we're looking at using the latest tech or solving big problems or transforming an enterprise. Uh, those often are out the window. But it is a cycle, and. Uh, being, you know, understanding where you are in that cycle, either individually or industry-wide is really important to making good decisions. And that's why we will keep talking about it. Please join us at the 2030.cloud. Be part of the conversation. Come in, hear your voice, ask your questions. We want to hear from you in these podcasts. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what rack does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software we would love to get your opinion and 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 hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding it's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community thank you